0: Welcome to Core Nourishment. I'm Annie Wagner, your host. This podcast is designed to empower, inspire, ignite presence, purpose, and intention in your day. Thank you for joining me. It's Core Nourishment Podcast with Annie Wagner, your host, and this is episode four. Thank you so much for all of you who have been listening, tuning in, subscribing, and sharing. I've received a lot of great feedback so far, and I'm so excited about this adventure. It has been a blast so far. And today, I had Rachel Rawlinson With me, she is the head coach at UNH for the women's and men's rowing teams. She is an absolutely phenomenal, inspiring woman, friend, mom, wife, and she dives into her story of resiliency. You hear about her childhood, about what it was like to go to a therapeutic boarding school and everything she learned through that experience that brought her to rowing and learning about who she is at her core. Um, And she now shares so much of that passion, purpose, resiliency, and strength with her rowers as well as her daughter. Um, There's so much more. We could have talked forever. You're really in for a treat and you're going to love it. So have fun. Thank you so much and enjoy. If you want to tune into me, you can find me at AnnieWagner.com. Subscribe at iTunes, the Core Nourishment Podcast, and keep enjoying it and sharing. Thank you so much. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode four, Core Nourishment Podcast. I'm Annie Wagner, your host, and I'm so excited to have you, Rachel Rollinson, here with me today. Rachel and I met, gosh, was it eight years ago I taught? I think so, yeah. I I, kind of subbed in for a season teaching the men's and women's rowing teams at UNH um, Pilates, which was a blast and hilarious. I was a new Pilates teacher at the time. Um, but Rachel is the head coach for the UNH women's and men's rowing teams. She is also a graduate of UNH and rowed all four years. And I even read up on your bio that you, um, senior year, were tri-captain and led your team to the school's first ever gold. Was it at um, the New England Championships? That's yep. incredible. That's awesome. Um, and Rachel and I have become friends, I would say, a lot closer in the last probably a year or so, and I've had the opportunity to teach, um, not teach, but come in and do some motivational speaking for the women's rowing team, which I did this past spring, which was such an honor and so much fun. Um, so thank you, Rachel. So glad you're here.
1: Thanks for having me. Yay.
0: Um, so let's dive in. I want to hear more about your story, your background. Um, what What was your first rowing experience, and what led you to coaching?
1: Um. Wow, I'm the youngest out of five kids and my sister Emma started to row for the Columbia University rowing team so she's 10 years older than I am and uh, my mom thought this is cool. And, uh, enrolled my sister and I, when we turned 13, when I turned 13, uh, into, in the, like the local club, we lived on Long Island. And so we started their town program there in Long Island, New York at Sagamore rowing. And, uh, and that was kind of my, like my first experience with it. And, uh, I grew up playing soccer, like, I probably could kick a soccer ball around before I could walk properly. Oh, that was and, awesome. um, my whole family, my, my family is, uh, from England and Scotland and, uh, and I was born in Canada. And so soccer's a big deal. So making that like transition into rowing was, um, I found a sport that just really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. I liked the repetitive nature of it and, um, the, the premium on hard work that needed to go in and the teamwork aspect, the idea of Working for something that was greater than just yourself, and like not letting down the people that you were with. Mm. Um, And I like the fact that it wasn't a game. That was really. I sometimes found myself. I was always a defender, as a pretty bigger person, you know, in high school and whatnot. And um, I would get bored sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes you're just you're sitting back there, right? Hanging out. I'm like, okay. And I like to be engaged, Mm. and so rowing, like rowing, did that for me. Um, do
0: you remember the first time you got in the boat and you're on the water? Like, do you, can you close your eyes and feel that experience? Like, do you, was um, it that? Not so,
1: not so much. Peak? I think what I remember more was like trying to carry the boat down, oh, you know, right. it was like made in like 19, you know, <laughs> so 81. it was so heavy. There was, like a thousand of us little 13 year olds trying to carry it. <laughs> um, so that, that really sticks out more in my mind than that first stroke. Understandably. <laughs> um, but I did have a great experience with that club. Like I did, um, I did really enjoy it. And I, I have kind of a interesting, was it bit of a juvenile delinquent?
0: And, um, <laughs> I want to hear more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, uh, so when I was in ninth grade, um, I was a big handful for my parents. And, uh, so I actually was, um, for all intents and purposes, sent away to this special therapeutic boarding school. I mm-hmm. put air quotes around that. <laughs> um, and, uh, the school didn't have athletics, that wasn't part of it. And uh, this was from 92 to, uh, to uh, 1994, so August 24th of 1992 to- you remember uh, the exact March date. 4th the family, of yes. 1994, wow. 18 to 21 month programs called the Elan School, and- um, Where was this located? Up in Poland, Spring, Maine.
0: Oh, okay, okay. And so
1: my parents had to like do some, had to be creative to get me up there. And yeah. they didn't actually tell me and they didn't tell my siblings. And mm. it was a pretty, um, it was a very intense experience. Yeah. Uh, so if it had just turned 15 and, um, you know, and I'm in this program that, you know, I didn't know I was going there and, you know, that you literally walk through the door and, no, they just start telling you, you know, this is an eighteen twenty month program. This is how it works. This is the whole deal. You have to say goodbye to your parents now. And, like, my parents are crying. Yeah, I just, like, couldn't oh my gosh, put it all together. And so, um and then I'm there with all sorts of people from everywhere. You know, uh, people who were like, gang-banging from, like, the streets of Gary, Indiana. And just had, you know, just a huge range of diversity and people. And the one big thing that I, I knew that I had and I possessed was hope that, like, you no, know, I was going to go back home. I came from a good family and um but it was really really tough. Yeah. And the way the program worked was that it was uh basically run by the kids. Like mm-hmm. the students ran it. And so you had different positions and you know, if you had to um non-strength people they couldn't converse with each other unless there was a strength person listening to them
0: and wow. it was just like very a lot of group yeah inter- like imagine I actually worked at therapy boarding school I don't know if we oh, knew no, that I so I, yeah. I've been on the flip side of of yeah. witnessing families coming in and just imagine just how really, intense yeah so it's just really a lot of group crazy. consequences and yeah
1: yeah So, um, and actually the school, um, the school shut down now (laughs) (laughs) a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, they did some interesting. Few of them have, I think, been shut down. Yeah. They had
1: this thing called a ring where they'd like the person who was like the big rules were no sex, no drugs, no violence. Um, And so they had this this thing called the ring where they'd like put the person in who kept on fighting. They'd like put them in the ring and then they put like good people against that person until they were like beaten down. Oh and my you know, gosh, that was really just like crazy. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so needless to say, but the big thing, they didn't have sports there. Mm. And um, I think it was in um, there's these three different houses. I was in a eight and one of the staff members in a three, this guy, Peter had started a boys basketball team. And, um, and then wanted to start a boys like cross country team mm-hmm. and a group of us, <clears throat> you know, as, as girls said, you know, well, we want to run, you know, we want to do this too. And he basically said, well, girls like don't run, like we don't, we're not, we're not going to do that. Wow. And, you know, I, I, I've always been, um, I'm like a really intense person and injustice really bothers fires me. you up, yeah. fires me up. Yeah. and I just thought like oh, I'm gonna run and so we basically pushed it and we got to be a part of the team but it was your classic scenario of where um, you know he would go coach the boys and would just say like you guys just stay over here and just run until i come back Mm -hmm. you know and so you know and then you know when a race would come and we wouldn't be that successful and he'd say like well you guys aren't really doing very good so like why should i pay attention to you Mm -hmm. and it was just it was a very um is was a very interesting experience kind of layered in there. Um, but I definitely learned. I mean, obviously, like I learned a lot through that whole thing. So when I came back from that, my parents had said to me, you know, either you can go back to the high school that you came out of or you can go to a boarding school or something different. And um, I made the decision to go back to the high school that I had come out of, which mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I was like a glutton for punishment, but oh my gosh, going Rachel. back into that same group of people. And it definitely Courage. was... Mm -hmm. that's one way to look at it or just determination and uh, (laughs) I don't know stupidity, but it was definitely, um, it was really, it was really tough. And the wig thing was like sports wanting to Mm -hmm. get back into um, you know, I, my family, you know, my mom's always really been focused on nutrition and institutionalized food is like terrible, right? Mm. Like I can't eat those eggs from a box at yeah. all. Yeah. We weren't allowed sugar. So it was like loads of equal packets and oh you, know, gosh, just, yeah. you know, just no exercise. I mean, it just wasn't, you know, we were in this beautiful place in Maine and we, we weren't allowed outside. Mm. Um, and so I, I really, uh, when I came back, I started to play soccer. My, my brother had played on the soccer team. My sister-in-law, my, my, other, my other sister, Becky, who's 18 months older than me, was like superstar on the soccer team. And so I started to play, and I just really just didn't fit in with a group of girls who were on the team. And I just thought, you know what? I'm done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to rowing. Like, that's where it really works for me. And I when I came to the decision of, of choosing a college, ironically... I chose the University of New Hampshire over University of Rhode Island because the UNH team was varsity at the time, oh. and your eye was club. Oh yeah. And so, uh, but I basically I I chose college based on rowing. That was I. That was what I was going to do. And um and I kind of feel like I mean it's dramatic to say, but I kind of feel like rowing not like saved my life, but it definitely, um, it it like gave a structure to my day that I desperately needed coming out of this environment that was like so heavily structured by all of these people. And, but it wasn't my chosen structure. Right, right. And so coming into college, uh, you know, knowing that I was going to be far away from my family and everything else that like rowing kind of gave you like instant family. I was about to say, you know, right, add right, water this, and there yeah, you go. Yeah. Um, and just being automatically with this like group of like-minded people. You know, we all were a little nuts and you could (laughs) tell who was a little more nuts than the others. And it just clicked, you know, it just really made a lot of sense to me. So, um, and definitely had some, you know, in particular in college, um, had some really amazing influences too. Like my novice coach, Aubrey Borland and Kate Hubbard, like they definitely, they were cool. Jenny Marshall was a part of that. Oh, my and, gosh. Jenny. Um, That's
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was just
1: really cool. And then Katie Scanlon, who, you know, made was uh, an alternate for the Olympics for the U.S. national team and just walking in the boathouse that first day. I remember we walked in. We're like, oh, my God, look at her quads. Yeah. <laughs> and she just was like so amazingly strong. Um, and, um, you know, and then having, you know, Sue Taylor and stuff, you know, by the time and Carolyn Miles, by the time we got to our senior year, it was just like just so cool to be with these really amazing people in the process. Um, but more than that, I mean, it's, it's the teammates, you know, right. and some of them, I might not even remember their names, but I remember us having, you know, being in the ERG room and doing two by 20 K in the, you know, during the course yeah. of the week and listening to that uh, bare naked lady soundtrack <laughs> over and over and over and over and over again. So, right. Right. so yeah, so I think um, I did not, I had no intention to be a coach. That was never really, I don't, I'm not sure that I ever kind of thought about, um, my degree is in sociology and environmental conservation. Mm -hmm. I have a master's in public health. I've worked at, uh, AIDS response Seacoast, uh, which is a nonprofit aid service organization in Portsmouth. I've worked with them since 1999, being a health educator for HIV-AIDS prevention. Um, And so specifically going around with a speaker and and doing prevention programs Mm -hmm. that way. Yeah, Um, Richard Lee and those guys and Bob and Richard Wagner, they're just awesome over there at AIDS Response. And, um, you know, keep up the good fight. So I've continued to do that stuff with them. And HIV-AIDS is kind of like that public health is like a really big... um, it's really important to me too, yeah. that aspect of it. And so I think I kind of fell into coaching. I was looking to go, I was working at AIDS response and, um, was friends with some of the football coaches at UNH and went to, had just gone into grad school, was really excited and went upstairs and saw Sue Taylor, who was still coaching and said, you know, Hey, I just got into grad school. She's like, seriously? Cause I need a grad assistant. I was like, that's awesome. And How so beautiful. How perfect. It just totally worked out. Yeah. And, um, And, you know, one thing kind of led to another with being a grad grad assistant. And then, of course, the team transition, the women's team transition from uh, being a varsity sanctioned sport at UNH to being a club team. And that basically happened during that time when I was there with Sue. We Mm -hmm. could kind of tell something was up and we just kind of knew, all right, like either we're going to, you know, kind of ride the ship until it goes down or, you know, we, you know. And and my big thing, and and ironically, it kind of comes from boarding school, but that idea of like, you're either a victim or you're a survivor. And so, um,
0: choosing, yeah, you got to choose Mm -hmm. how you're
1: going to go about it. And so, um, you know, I was completely terminated and fired from the UNH. That was like how they did it in athletics. They just said, great, you're all done. Like, at such and such date, you're no longer employed here. And then for the sport club position for the women's team, initially, um, I had to interview for the job and officially be hired and, you know, go through a committee and all this other stuff. And so, um, you know, I just, I think I felt pretty intensely that, um, I couldn't leave those guys to flounder. You know, I love this team. It's kind of a blessing and a curse, but, um, you know, someone has
0: said that to me, they're like, you
1: know, you love you love rowing so much. It's almost like a strength and a weakness. Right, like,
0: right. I know. The duality of that yeah, passion. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, um, but I love coaching. To me, like being a prevention educator is like at my core. hmm So um coaching works is great.
0: Yeah, you know, it's
1: kind of a very it's a um and I definitely I wouldn't define myself as being a like your traditional coach. Um and I find that a lot, definitely not people, from what i like, observed. Assume, yeah. Like in their interactions and they're, Oh, you coach. And then they kind of make an assumption about yeah. what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as they start to interact with me more, or ask me more questions, they're like, Oh, so you don't just like stand there and like blow a whistle and yell at your athletes. I'm like, well, sometimes I have to yell at the athletes, but it's not like I'm really mad at them. It's right. Just, right. You know, we have to yeah. get stuff done. Somehow, yeah,
0: I you know? know. So tell me the, my brain is swarming with so many thoughts right now. Um, so thank you for all that sharing, Rachel. The, the first word that pops in my mind with you, and I was thinking about this even earlier today, and then it's so clear and evident to me is the word resiliency. Because I think about, okay, having been a former rower myself in college, I, I rode at Connecticut College, um, and that still sticks with me, just everything I learned. Like it's we you and I have ch- chatted a lot about this. Like you're not just training for your sport, you're training for life. Yep. And I think about the word resiliency because I, I believe that my experience through rowing and um, with my teammates and as a group and what we rose through and, and, you know, face our struggles to then that choice of, okay, are we going to stay like victims in this? Are we going to keep pushing and, you know, working towards success, all that stuff. So anyway, your personal story of what you went through and going to the therapeutic boarding school. I mean, it's, to me, it's it's absolutely perfect that you're a coach because, and a coach of rowing because you bring so much strength. And when I've observed you, your Your rowers are so lucky to have you, and yes. your energy and your your connectivity your ability to really engage them um, and from just having the opportunity to be around all of you um, this past spring, especially. Uh, just watching them in the way that they respect you um, and your, your energy and enthusiasm and positivity. It's absolutely awesome, Rachel. So Thanks. thank you for being such an inspiration for me as well as a leader. So I want to hear more. So when you say you're not necessarily the traditional coach, what, how would you define yourself as a coach?
1: Um, that's a great question. Uh, to me, it's, it's, like, way more about the process and growth of development than it is about an end result of winning or losing. Um, you know, in, I mean, in rowing and really in life, I mean, you know, when we race, you might be racing one boat, you might be racing however – you can have – you can go down the course and have the greatest race that you feel you've ever had and still come in second or third or fourth. Um, or you can have an amazing you know or have a terrible race and end up winning mm-hmm. and um, and to me that like that traditional representation of success in our society of like you have a gold medal, so you must be happy yeah it's like right. well, actually like that to me i i don 't think really is the most important part to me, the most important part is did you put in a hundred percent effort, did you try your hardest? Um, you know, during the time of the race or through your training, where did you stumble and fall and how did you pick yourself back up again mm-hmm. and keep going? Mm-hmm. And um, and like that, that process of development is really and getting to know themselves, like who like who am I and what type of person and what kind of racing character they have. Um, and that to me, like racing is, you know, or rowing in general is just a, it's a safe place to practice who they are as human beings. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and to play around with it and learn that, you know, if you get on the erg and you go to do a 2k and you don't PR from, you know, you're shooting to get your personal best. But if you don't, it doesn't mean you're a terrible human. It just means you got to get back up and try it again the next time. Right. And so to me, a big piece of it too, is, um, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we talk so much, you know, in athletics and I think about, um, and we actually, you know, for years ago with the team, we talked about, like competitiveness. And, um, I feel like a lot of times competitiveness can have like a very, like a lot of masculine qualities Mm -hmm. about it. And, uh, and when I say masculine, I don't mean specifically male, like it's not about being anti-male. It's just more that it's to me that masculinity can really represent in a traditional form, like not being forgiving and that, you know, if you don't get your time, then you have to just stay on that erg and beat yourself up and beat yourself up and beat it up and beat it up until you get it, mm-hmm. which physiologically doesn't actually do any human nope. favors. Like, right, I mean, it will right. grow some thick skin, yeah. but the it's not necessarily going to get you your time. And really the more important part is like the mental aspect of that. And, um, you know, I think back to those, like, I think it was, must've been like some Nike commercials way back in the day where they were showing Michael Jordan or someone like failing and just continuing to like beat themselves up. Mm. And I don't think the beating themselves up has to be a part of it. Yeah. And so
0: did you, I'm curious, did you beat yourself up? Did you go through that and, and kind of, and then figure it out Yeah, I definitely, like I, your experiences. um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm the youngest out of five kids again yeah. and, um. I think their college institutions like three two of them went to cornell and uh one like my brother is a biomechanical engineer he has his phd in biomechanical engineering wow and uh my you know my sister went to cambridge and columbia and my brother simon and i were like the statey kids and uh and so i think like you know i remember sitting down and like playing trivial pursuit with them like i never won
0: there's mm. no way i was winning that <laughs> yeah. game ever yeah. you know yeah and my but you still sat down, to play, I still every sat down time. to play every time which is a great choice because <laughs> yeah. you're like you know what me Maybe there's a little bit of, right. I forgot
1: those wedges. <laughs> uh, but that's, or Boggle. Boggle's another Oh, one. gosh, <laughs> that yeah. A game.
0: Don't ever <laughs> no. oh, I that
1: game. Um, But I think that, yeah, so that, like, striving for that, um, that perfection of, like, quote, unquote, being right.
0: Mm, or yeah. doing it correctly. Trying to prove trying yourself. To prove it. yeah.
1: And um, I think part of that was, like, wanting to be, you know, part of it is, like, wanting to be recognized, Um for like doing it correctly or being appreciated for that. Um, but also, like the, like with the perfectionist part, like just, I, I think that is something that like being raised in like, in, and I think it's sh- changing, but being raised as a, you know, as a female and we're kind of talking about like social construction of gender, like those yeah. gender roles of where, you know, your job is to serve others and to make others happy. Mm. Um, you know, and I wouldn't say necessarily that that was a lesson that my mom was teaching us or like my dad was teaching us, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's a really subtle vibe that you right, got just socially like everywhere and else. Yeah. Um, and that's where like that reviving Ophelia book, yeah. yeah. Um, really, when I read that, I was like, oh my God, this is like yeah, how I felt or how totally. I feel. Yeah. And so I think that perfectionist aspect of it, um, you know, it does really get, you know, can wear on
0: you. Yeah. So do you find, so coming back to the coaching and trying to, um, you know, approach that perfectionism, which, you know, actually, you know, it came up, I remember when, when I was, Yep. sharing and speaking and supporting, um, your team this past spring. Um, how do you help to coach your, your students around that? And then I want to know like the differences between that you see between coaching the men versus the women around okay. that.
1: Um, I would say that, um, I think i I find rowers in particular, you know, they're you know, at least at UNH, because that's my main experience. I mean, the rowers at UNH—they're a gritty, like hardcore group of people, and and I say that with total respect, admiration, and love. Like they, you know, the stuff that these guys do um, just rocks my world. They're a great mm. group of people, and uh, and I think and I think there's like that element of um, <clears throat> being a Type A person, um, and not—they're not all that way. Um, but there's definitely like that line. they have that strong line of like resilient, the ones who stick it out for you know two, three, four years. That is a deep essence part of their character. And so I think the biggest thing you know, that we, we have, you know, to me, there's always an ebb and a flow and a balance. And so there's the, there's practices that are purposely really hard and are going to break them down. And, you know, and I'm, I'm pushing that line of like, you got to go, you got to hold the number, you got to push yourself. I don't care that you think it's hard. You have to do it anyways. Um, and then there's the other aspect of, um, talking about forgiveness and failure Mm -hmm. and, uh, that element of needing to be forgiving to themselves and really treating you Know themselves like they're a six year old, their own six year old child. You yeah. know, like what would you yeah. say to a little boy or girl who, um, who just you know was running and playing and did whatever and then just tripped and fell? You know, you wouldn't start yelling at them, you'd right. go
0: scoop them up, you wouldn't and go give like them a kick big hug. them and yell yeah. at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And so,
1: so finding that balance of, um, what is like, I think forgiveness is a huge part of it. Yeah. But then continuing to grow. And so I know that that, that quote of like, forgive and forget. And I'm like, I think it's forgive and grow. I think that yeah, growth I love that. part I totally has to agree, be a really big Rachel. part of that. Yeah.
0: Um, How, what a gift that you're giving your students, your rowers, with the ability to connect with that child self because I was just having a conversation with someone the other day about, I mean, it comes up a lot, but just how quickly, and I think in college, like there's like such pressure in general to like grow up, know what you're going to do. Like, you know, and, and, and not everyone, but, um, but just that you encourage your, your rowers to realize that they can surpass, you know, where their mind's taking them and, yeah. and, and push yeah. and, and exceed far beyond what they thought, you know, they're stronger than they know it. And then also that balance of forgiveness and, and, and embracing that child within themselves that needs also that nurturance and support. It's such a balance. And yeah, yeah that's, and it's that's a tricky beautiful. one. I think
1: in particular for athletes.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it's
1: a really, it's a, it's a tricky dynamic to learn. Um, how do you go hard? How do you win races if you're being forgiving to yourself is a really, right. it's a really, um, it's a tricky dynamic. To yeah. work Yeah.
0: Well, and then as a coach, I imagine you're seeing, okay, well, this this person hears me in this way, but then this person is not, you know, yeah. not able to hear it. The wall is up; there's resistance. So how, like, how to reach all the different, yeah, know, the people, people. Yeah. and then um, how about that forgiveness work with the men? How is that? How's that show up I for think you? That,
1: that um, I think with the men's team, um, it's definitely been. You know, I, this is obviously like a huge, well, maybe not so much anymore, but in the beginning, the idea of having me be the head coach for them, um, I think stirred up a lot of anger and I don't think it was necessarily anger towards me, but I think it was more anger towards the situation. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely say that like my first year I did not handle things well. I think, um, I just, I didn't, I didn't understand like what I think I came in, you know, I came in with some assumptions and they came at me with some assumptions and, um, I think I was trying to be too hard,
0: mm, you know, and, mm-hmm.
1: and not really, and most importantly, like not being myself. And so that authenticity, you know, wasn't present in our interactions. And, uh, in particular, like, you know, David who just graduated and Zach who just graduated, um, you know, the leadership that those guys were, you know, I think that they realized like, I love rowing. And, um, you know, when I, I love their, I love the team. Like I love the men's team. I love the women's team. And, uh, and so I think one of the things that I learned was one that I also don't have to be the one teaching them that particular lesson around forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, but finding part of my job as head coach is finding the right person where they're going to learn from that person. Mm. And so like Mackenzie, for instance, um, who is our head novice coach, and does an amazing job with novice rowers in general, men, women. Like, she is unbelievable. Um, novice Wrangler. That's awesome. And, um, you know, and so this past spring, she coached the men's second varsity eight. And, you know, it was, you know, it was like really, you know, those those guys in the, the season, you know, they were like chucking her in the water. And, That's you know, so it was great. one of those things that yeah. she was kind of saying. She's like, you know, this is really hard, Rachel. This is really different. I'm like, I, I know, but... You're the right person. They're going to hear it from you. Mm. You know these things that we talk about, and we both you know know and love about the sport and UNH rowing in particular. They're going to hear it from you a lot differently than how they hear it from me. And so that you know that was kind of an interesting uh, process for me to not like come to grips with, but that idea that like I don't have to be doing all the things all the time, right. and the need that you to couldn- find. You know the importance of finding other people who can convey those same philosophies, but but reach them faster mm-hmm. um, and allow that process to happen a little bit more quickly. Um, and you know that's another thing that I would say, like from a traditional coach point of view, that people you know would kind of say that like if you're not um, you know if you're not doing it yourself, and you're not really being the right, coach. Right? Exactly. And it's like, well, I, I I disagree because we have this really great group of coaches, and um, you know, and definitely give them leeway to like do you know do what they do as far as coaches aren't getting paid any money really yeah. and they're just given their time all yeah. the time yeah um you know their weekends and their mornings and everything um and what but could, they're really great people you know so I trust yeah. them and you know I know that they have the rowers at the center of it so as far as like so you know indirectly um you know I think we're moving in a great direction in particular with the men's team I think that you know, losing their like official head coach person kind of rocked their world. And I totally understand that. Um, but you know, they're, they didn't give up. They didn't like lay down and be run over, you know, they kept on pushing and, um, and they're, you know, they've gone through some really cool cultural shifts in the last few years. And it's really exciting. Like I have been relatively terrified the last couple of years, <laughs> and um, and I'm really excited going into this year about yeah. what um, what it's going to mean. And watching the men and the women train together and lift weights together and run stadiums together and and do all of that and really push each other to be you know stronger and faster and work through things is uh, you know that's life. Like when you go to the gym when you're 30 years old, you're not just in like a gym with just other women. You're right. generally there with all sorts of people and you still have to figure it out. Yeah. And so I feel like this is, um, I do feel like, like the, you know, the, um, the aspect of gender with sports is starting to shift a little. And the reality is most men have, you know, most of their educators have been females.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, and how powerful in general too, Rachel that, um, for you to go through that experience, for your growth and as a coach and a person to be able to like go through that and and just as you just authentically and honestly shared, learn to let go of that kind of control as a coach and, yeah. and realize if anything, like I, from listening to you, is, uh, I think that displays so much more strength and courage um, and role modeling for both the men's and women's rowing teams because here you are saying, look, Even as coaches, we are a team. We have to be a team and communicate and work together and empower. So you empowered Mackenzie to say, like, look, you have this, and you to be able to connect and reach these guys better than me, or just in a different way that's more effective. And um, so I think I think that's so awesome and so powerful role modeling. Yeah, Um, so great coaching (laughs) from my perspective. Yeah, Yeah,
1: we do, and we look at it as like it's a collaborative. You know, there's a lot of teams where it's like very segregated. You have, I mean, I. It's possible that I'm like the only, well, especially for, I mean, I think in club rowing, I'm the only female head coach of both a men's and a women's team. Mm -hmm. Usually it's a male Mm -hmm. who's the head coach of the two programs. Um, And so that aspect in and of itself is pretty unique. But, um, you know, we collaboratively coach. Like we all have to... um, you know, it's not about our own personal egos. It's about like, how can we serve the athletes mm-hmm. on our yeah. team? Yeah, um, This is their experience, right? They work really hard. They're fundraising a lot of money. They pay a lot of money. Yeah. You know, it's their, um, it's, it's their experience. And so how can we, you know, like wanting to honor that interaction?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, and so I think too, as a coach, like part of my role is to, um, you know, I've had those coaches in the past where they're like, well, this is how I coach. If you don't like it
0: there's right. the door and there yeah. does, you know,
1: and there does kind of come a time when that happens. There's just philosophical differences, but mm-hmm. I look at it more as, you know, any athlete who's come into practice, you know, they're motivated. I mean, if you're getting up to yes. like, drive to Dover to walk through 60 feet of mud at five right. in the morning and there's- it's however cold, like you're sufficiently motivated. Yes. <laughs> and if there's something going on at practice that like you're struggling with then like, Let's figure it out. Let's like figure out what we need to do to help you be more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if something that I'm saying or doing isn't working, well, then let's try to do it differently. Mm-hmm. And or get somebody else in here or, you know, just do whatever we can to like help people grow. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's not it's not like this is my show. Yeah, it doesn't help any of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. I love that you that you're able to see it that way. And I, I've, I've sensed this from you ever since I got to know you. Um, but just that, yeah, it's not about about you guys it's about serving them and lifting them up and and helping them to show up with more strength and confidence and work through those moments yeah so you mentioned early morning practices um are you naturally a morning person or did you become one once you (laughs) dove into this when i when i
1: was a senior in high school i I was like that kid with like the late late homeroom. you know where you like show up at like 11 oh wow um or whatever time it was uh and so when I got to college and um started rowing, my mom was like, You're doing you're getting up when exactly? <laughs> like what are you doing? Yeah. I kind of feel like I'm like not a middle of the day person. Okay. Like I yeah. if I could skip or like take a nap from two thirty to four thirty, mm-hmm. I would be really excited. Mm-hmm. Um So, but now, um, I love mornings. I absolutely love mornings. I love the quiet and the birds and the water and, um, you know, just the sunrises and just how the sky looks. And I just, one of my favorite things is like that cup of coffee Mm -hmm. on a regatta morning, you know, before all the rowers and all the stuff has arrived, but like the, the race lines are in, you got your quiet course. There's no ripples. There's like no one really there. You know, the coxswains were kind of getting their stuff together. And mm, always I always just kind <laughs> like of take a moment. Smell the, the chill, coffee right I now. Know.
0: Rachel's closing her eyes, by the way, while she's <laughs> saying that. I totally, I, do. That's, I, just, I get it. Um, that's like one of my
1: favorite. It's like one of my, my favorite moments. I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. You know? I remember
0: feeling that way. Um, and I I mean, I never coached, but just those moments, you know, morning practice when We sit on the water and the sun's rising and then, you know, beginning to move together as a team and just the power and yeah, I'm getting goosebumps too. Like it's such a, I mean, in many ways, spiritual, like primal, um, just such a gift of an experience. So that's, that's awesome. Um,
1: so yeah, so no, I wouldn't say, and now, um, I mean, you know, and and it's like through those years at boarding school, it's kind of funny they, um, there was like some riots. <laughs> it gets worse. And worse. <laughs> there was like some riots and stuff when we were there, you're supposed to have these like certain number of strength positions and there wasn't. And so the only, do you mind? So
0: strength position, you've said that a few it's times. It's just
1: like, it's, it's, just how part of their hierarchy. So okay. So had, literally
0: like this title, like yeah. I'm picturing, like, are you getting down doing a plank or are you yeah. like, it's Oh yeah, not, no, 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 no. You're, you're like, like a title. A title. Yeah, okay. So you have, they have these <laughs> six
1: different departments, like service department, <laughs> um security department and then they had a you know like a chief person and then a department head and then mm. these all these like different expediter and I can't even remember I believe I remember all this stuff it's like ingrained in my cells. Oh, I can believe Um it. Yeah. and then uh you kind of get down to so those would all be like strength positions and then um the the non-strength position you had know, just shot down. Um you had uh a position called ramrod. I have no idea what came <laughs> up with that one. And they had service worker. Wow. And so um,
0: like shot downs,
1: weren't allowed to wear no jewelry. If you were a non-strength, no jewelry, no makeup. Um, if you were shot down, you had to wear shorts, no shoelaces in your shoes. Wow, um, yeah. And so... Like so people who were in that service worker ramrod shot down, they couldn't talk to each other. Um mm. and then the strengths could talk to each other or the, the non strengths could talk to each other if a strength person and we weren't allowed foreign languages either. That was another like there's huge gaps in my like oh. educational background. So like I basically you know, I'd be in a class, you know, is the focus was on the therapeutic part and then we'd have classes at night and uh you know, I'd be in a class with people who you know, they just dropped out when they were in sixth grade. Mm. You know, they just Yeah for whatever reason and so and then you know and i came from a high school that was like ranked number three or something in the state of new york you know so it was one of those things where um you know they just be like here's an oceanography textbook like just like go read yourself here's a trig book go read a couple of chapters i'm like are you kidding me? Like when I remember getting back into school, I'm like, cosine, tangent? Like what, what is, is this? this? I right, have no idea. Right. And I needed glasses at the time. I was like, was not picking up and the math. was <laughs> oh, like, are you t- having a hard time? I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. Oh my
0: gosh. Um, Wait, and just to back up for a second, no outside time and no exercise at all.
1: I think we had gym in the summertime like once every two weeks. I got really fat while I was there. Well,
0: I just it's like, gosh, really Rachel, knowing you now and knowing and and then just my brutal. background and my like core beliefs, like I, am like really yeah. like exercise and outside, outside are such yeah. key components of health yeah. and and healing and for all. Oh my goodness, yeah. I'm 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 just saying a lot. I'm glad the school doesn't exist I, I know exactly.
1: And I for and for me, like I didn't um, like the first time I stayed in a hotel that I remember. I think I was like an 11th or 12th grade to go to a rowing regatta. Like my family, we camped like we yeah. camped all the time. Like we spent loads of time outside. Right. So it um, sounds like
0: like the exercise, those pieces of you, like to yeah. the not have, be able to really connect with those aspects during such an intense time must've been really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. Had its moments. So yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um,
1: I don't even remember how you you here. started oh, the, oh, I know you the sort of riots. Sleep thing. Yeah. Yeah, so like so there's only like a certain number of people who uh, you'd have to like run the day. So you'd like run that day and then they'd have students stay up all night long and then um, so you'd like run the day and then you'd, and then you sleep that night and then the next day you'd have like a normal day and then you'd have to um, stay up all night that night and then you'd have, and then you'd sleep during the day and then the next day you would be like the person who ran the day. And because oh there was only gosh. three of us, we had to rotate this. Okay. So essentially, and we had to like over the course of 24 hours by main law had to get, you know, eight hours of sleep or something. And so, um, it's so backwards in my mind from how to like help all of you heal. Like, I'm just, okay, sorry. And we would like, so it'd be like me and then like a male, you know, who and I'm throwing you off side, <laughs> yeah. like sitting there for eight hours with like the night guard. Oh my gosh. Know? And, um, yeah, it's like, yeah. Okay. Loads of stories. Oh my like, gosh. Totally oh, yeah. Nuts. I can't wait to hear more um, eventually another time. But, uh, <laughs> So, so I feel like from like a sleep perspective, like that whole concept of like, I'll just sleep when I'm dead. Like, yeah, I just right. kind of like took on that, you know, and it, and it was one of those things where, you know, I definitely felt like, you know, being there I had this like sense of purpose, like this is my job. Like, we got to keep this like ship moving, you know, like that, like a lot of those leadership skills and like resiliency and just like moving this group of people who, mm-hmm. you know, really, you know, didn't want to be there. It's not no. like any of us chose to be there. Yeah. Um, and so, uh. So then, you know, getting into college and, um, with rowing and stuff, you know, kind of getting up at that time in the morning, um, it was easy it like, yeah. Compared to that. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, I think I remember, you know, Pete Cathy who coached for, uh, UNH, you know, the UNH team for, you know, 20 some odd years. I remember thinking one time, I'm like, dude, you've been getting up before the sun for like 20 years. <laughs> or actually, wait, you wrote You're in college. Choosing you to do this, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember having that moment in college, like, Oh my God. Yeah. And yeah. then now I look at it and I, like, I realize this year that I've, sp- I've literally spent more than fifty percent of my life being a part of UNH rowing and oh, that's awesome. getting up that's before so the cool. sun. Yeah, so it is definitely you know, now so you're now, becoming that. Yeah, now <laughs> I'm great. just like that, following Pete's footsteps. So, um, so now and especially with having a child, I was about to
0: say. And um, Rachel's also an amazing mom, and so lack of sleep comes with having a young child.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like those first, um, I was really fortunate that um, I was able to take was very sp- um, I don't want to say for a long time, Brian and I, um, we weren't going to have kids. We thought that we were going to do it. And then, and then, and then didn't, you know, we just, we both, he was coaching. Um, he has a, he's a full time. He's like a finance person. Um, he works at Southern New Hampshire university, but, and he originally was at UNH and we met through coaching and, um, but he so he's like been a party road for URI. You know, he coached. He was coached at UMass and then came and coached at UNH and um, was the novice men's coach and then eventually switched over to coaching the novice women at UNH and um, and then Mackenzie came into play and um, and then Brian kinda slowly moved out. But we we know we we knew like we loved rowing and we couldn't see how to be parents and both coach and mm, so, yeah. you know, and, you know, and work. And so, you know, we kind of just thought like, well, then like we won't do the kid thing, you know? And then I thought like, well, I'm one out of 5 I'm like, we got to have at least three kids. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm 31. I'm not going to have time to like squeeze out yeah. three kids in this timeframe. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, um, And so we took all, you know, so then, you know, and Brian really thought that like two was really important because he's one of two and like for balance and Mm. everything else. And then I just thought like, dude, let's just like, if we're going to do this, like, let's just do one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's just
1: do one. And um, I had a lot of friends at the time who, were right in the throes of like that second child yes. and did not have. A I ton know once of you have two, story.
0: it's like the rest of yours. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Like and especially when they're both under five, there is a lot of non-favorable stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought, oh my gosh, like I don't know if I can. I don't think I can do that well. And also, too, I felt like it was a disservice, um, like a disservice to my, like to my job and like to the people who are on the team um, mm. to. You know all of a sudden like because I've made this life choice now you guys get a coach who's like got their head up their bum most of the time <laughs> because I'm like you know I got this I got these kids I gotta yeah. focus on and yeah. so
0: um
1: and feeling so we, tugged in
0: all sorts of directions yeah. all the time yeah
1: and I do think there's kind of a weird when you're I, I don't know if this is other people's experiences but I almost felt like through those like early 30s was really tumultuous time it's like your it's like your DNA it's like you're you know you have your you have your brain and then you have your heart and it's like literally the cells of my being were like trying to convince me that I had to have a child. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's like a really yeah. weird process. And um,
0: I definitely and, can relate. And I, I've talked to multiple women who felt yeah. that too, even if they were, even if they've even chosen since then to not have kids or couldn't, you know, yeah. it's, but yeah, to have that experience not, is wild. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's not something that you, like I didn't find in my experience It wasn't something that I, um, it like was not coming from my brain, Mm. you know, like it wasn't something that I'm like, oh, and it wasn't, you know, and I, you know, I heard people like, I actually think that having a kid is like one of the most selfish things that like in my opinion that I could do Mm. because Lily didn't have a choice about being born. You know, we made that decision for her and, um, and, you know, granted, yes, there's like loads of moments in parenting where you're putting your child, you know, ahead of your own needs, but again, I made that choice. Right, that was to, my to, choice to to make.
0: continuously come back to that and remember it. <clears> Hold <throat> well on, yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
1: um, and so I think with um, we were once we kind of thought like, okay, we're going to try this. We were very, you know, even before that, I I was very intentional about I needed and I wanted someone to come who could be a part of the team in my absence and that's really where Mackenzie came in I probably started calling her to come and coach here like I don't know two or three years before I was even pregnant but it was one of those things where I'm like I need you like there's no one else I need somebody who like you who can come and do this who gets it who I know is like unbelievably loyal and honest and um, has integrity and will just give these guys everything that they need, uh, in my absence. Cause I knew I would have absence. And I knew that the university, um, probably wasn't gonna like be, you know, doing maternity leave for somebody, yeah you know, they weren't gonna yeah. be doling out money for that. And so, um, and so we were really intentional. So Mackenzie came and she, you know, pretty much, um, was like an assistant volunteer. And then like Brian and her kind of slowly, you know, switched. And then Brian kind of made his piece with letting go of coaching and, um, and then, you know, with being pregnant and stuff, I was lucky. Lily actually came three weeks early. Um, and I really wanted to do, um, a water birth. I feel like I'm a cancer sign. So I have a lot of affinity yes. for water. And, um, the part was really important. And a rower. And, that's a beautiful connection. Yeah. Yes. And, um, she literally like she, I, I started to get you know, I was totally surprised. I started to get, my dad's a high risk, or a retired high risk obstetrician. Oh, wow. And so there were times like I could tell like those last few months, I'm like, God, she is like, this is like uncomfortable. Like something's mm. going on. I'm like, I have like months to go here. And, uh, and my dad, my parents were going up to Canada and my dad's like, all right, well, like we'll be back down on the, you know, on the 27th. We want to see the tall ships, you know, try to keep that, try to keep that baby in there. Yeah. It's like, okay. I'm like, what is he talking about? And, uh, so I was sleeping, you know, woke up, so I get on my phone. I'm like, what do labor pains feel like? Cause I had no, yeah, you know, I was like yeah. going in there like, are you having Braxton Hicks? I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. And you know, this is racing season. You know, like yeah. I had no, like, I just was trying to, you know, be pregnant and finish coaching that year and then have the summertime. And I had some weird, like hip things and, you know, it just was, um, you know, people are like, what are you doing? I'm like one day, one moment at a time, where's my water bottle? Yeah. And, yeah. um, so so then um so Lily literally like at 37 weeks um like that day like that night became 37 weeks and we went into the hospital that morning and um because she was seven, 37 weeks I could do a water birth whereas if it had literally been wow, you know, the day 12, before or the day yeah. before I wouldn't have been able to. Wow. And so that experience in and of itself um was really 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 amazing. Um, and everything was just like, it was so nice to feel like an athlete again, that part in and of itself was just, I was like, Oh, this is Seriously, so nice. That's like incredible. you can only walk so many miles yeah. uh, with a bunch of dogs, but, um, yeah. it just, that part of like, I really missed that. So, yeah. so that part was really, was really, it was a cool, it's a very cool experience. Um,
0: Sadie was a water birth too. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both our girls. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's amazing. I'm imagining you going through that. Yeah, mm.
1: it was. It was just really neat. And the only like bummer, uh, like the only bummer, my placenta didn't come out, and so the doctor had to do like a reach and grab. Which oh,
0: I yeah. I don't want
1: to do that again. Yeah,
0: you're like, <coughs> okay, I think we are definitely sticking to the one. I'm all yeah. Done. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But um, but yeah. So we, as I was always fortunate enough. I basically took off. You know, she's being she came early. I didn't go back to work until December when we transitioned to being inside. And Brian and Mackenzie and Pete like, managed stuff, and, um, I totally give, like, you know, Pete did an amazing job, like, I never carried a gas can, like, never feeling you know, like, those guys just totally rallied around it, and, yeah. um, it was really a really cool process, and then Lily, I you know I nursed her for actually three years, which you know did a lot of pumping and mailing, like mm. spring break trip to the dining hall. Yeah,
0: you know, yeah,
1: and the whole you know the coaches in the room would go to sleep to the sound of me pumping, <laughs> up to the sound of me pumping, like six or seven times on the pump over spring break, and mailing the stuff back or oh getting a phone call from Brian that said, you know, like. I counted wrong. There's not enough milk in the oh, fridge. So, so like getting hard. dry ice yeah. and mailing it yeah. back.
0: And Did you, did you hear my first podcast? I my did. In yes. the pump spotting. Yes, yeah. Exactly. My friend Amy so Van cool. Haren. So yeah. Anyway, that's just like in an airport, you know,
1: <sighs> just like turn yourself to the yeah. wall. You're like, hey, yeah. Yeah. You see my boots, yeah. This yeah.
0: is just what I got to do. Yeah.
1: And, uh, but Lily, fortunately, like by the time December came, she really wasn't like getting, like she is, um, she's very stubborn and determined but she does things in her own schedule. Like when she is ready for something like she literally her last um, feed was the day before her third birthday. Wow. You know, just totally does stuff. You know, she'll just look at me and say, mom, I'm all, I'm all done wearing pull-ups. Yeah. 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 Boom. She's all done. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. It's just a really, and I hope that I just want to nurture that as much as possible. So when I returned to work, she was like, for the most part done with getting up for feeds throughout the night. And so, um, and now I just pretty much go to bed at like, you know, a lot of times like she goes to bed. I'm like, good night, Brian. Yeah. i just getting to bed. It's like 8 PM. <laughs> my, my <laughs> <turn>. <laughs> I gotta, yeah. I'm getting right. up at four or something. Right. Right. So, um, and it depends. I usually have one, one or two nights where I have to, you know, from a work perspective, need to keep things going until whatever time. But, um, and Mackenzie said this to me at one point about like, pro- I'm like God, I'm just, my productivity is so low. And she's mm-hmm. like, It's not that it's low.
0: It's that it's shifted to something different. It's totally different from anything you've experienced before. Right. It goes back to that allowing yourself to be present where you're at now as opposed to compare yourself to what was before. (laughs) Rachel, I just want to say you like this whole sharing of becoming a mom and making this choice and your like real clarity and, and thought process so far ahead of time for the vision of your team and wanting to support U and H, both rowing, you know the rowing teams as well as um, you. Like with your absence, as you said, I just that's such a tremendous, um, just testament to your heart and your compassion. I mean, to me, I'm like you're, yeah, because in many ways that was training you to become a mom of Lily, but you're a mom to the rowers, and and then you had this opportunity to support and empower Mackenzie to come in and. Um, just, it's, it's awesome because I don't, you know, I don't see that happening and I'm not, you know, it's connected to all the different institutions and teams out there, but it's brilliant and amazing. Um, and I imagine now, I mean, what would you say, do you see parallels between being mom to Lily oh, yeah. and then, and then you know, having yeah. this whole team that you're nurturing um, yeah. and I can just imagine the strengths that you Experience in both those aspects of of yourself, yeah. You know, and it is.
1: It's huge. Like, and I, um, I one of the things that Brian and I did when we knew that we'd be coaching together was like right when we we got married. I'm terrible with like dates and birthdays and anniversaries and stuff. Like, Perfect. I actually have Lily's um <laughs> birthday around my neck because, one day someone's like, "Oh, your kid's so cute! Like, how old is she?" I'm like. Um, oh, my God, what? it's your birthday. <laughs> I, I totally forgot. Uh, it's just really bad. Uh, so we got married, and um, I know this because we talked about it last night, um, 2005. <laughs> and um, But we purposely like actually saw a marriage counselor. Mm. And um, you know, she's like, why are you guys here? And we're like, well, because we know that we're... Like we're gonna go into this environment together, and you know, and part of the time, like Brian was under me as a male, and I'm the head female coach, Mm. and you know, we just knew that there were again, like my background from like sociology, and just I've done a lot of stuff around gender and you know, social construction, and you know, we just knew that it was going to be a little tricky. And one of the things that, you know, through the years, and I've like gone back to see this person every now and again, um, you know, it's all a process of letting go. Like parenting is like that biggest process. And what I, you know, with coaching, it's the same thing. You know, you meet these, you know, these people come to you as these, you know, they're 18 year old, you know, humans. And, you know, as they like grow through their first year to their fourth year, um, being a part of those changes is such an honor, you know, and watching them grow and, you know, just, it's just an unbelievable process to be a part of. And, yeah. then, and then they go, right? you know, and then yeah. they leave. And that's yeah. where, you know, for all the things that people say about social media, I'm like, I love Facebook because it means that I get to like <laughs> still see what they're doing, you know? Right. And so, you know, they're doing yeah. it like, you know, and this one woman in particular, um, you know, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of them, but you know, Sarah Newt is actually one of the people who I, uh, she's an only, she's an only child and, um, she's totally awesome. She's like this really awesome person. And I remember saying to Brian, like, I imagine like one, I imagine that being a parent is kind of like coaching, but mm-hmm. like, it's better cause it's your own kid. Yeah. And then when we were thinking about, you know, having an only child, you know, and you know, there's, I feel, I think there's a lot of biases around like, what is that you know, only children are spoiled or they're this, that, yeah. or the other thing. And, and I, I'm like, look at Sarah new, like she's this awesome human, you know? And I, and there definitely have been more like Cape Beaumont, like there's been a few others on the team that, you know, they're only children and like, they're, they're awesome humans. And right. I just thought like Brian, like it doesn't. So much of it sibling, is your parenting
0: yeah. and also the community and family as we've talked about, yeah. like you can create for them in other ways. So, yeah. yeah. So it yeah. definitely,
1: um, you know, it just, yeah, I think that there's huge parallels in there and I don't, you know, I don't do all this stuff perfectly all the time. You know, like I mess up all the time. As Jenny Marshall says, fall down seven yeah. times, get up yeah. eight. You know, and uh, yeah. so, yeah. and that's one of the big things I kind of start off with the team leaders a lot at the beginning of the year is where it's like, you know, I'm going to make mistakes too. Like yeah. I'm going to mess stuff up. And you know, the reality is that just I'm human. And, you and guys by human. sharing
0: that, you're, you know, I would say even more of an exceptional leader in that yeah. way, you know, so yeah. Yeah, it isn't. It's that whole perfectionism thing. It's not, one of my favorite mantras is progress, not perfection. Yep. You know, and then that whole idea of mindset we talked about earlier, like, when you fail, you know, what do you, you know, how do you, how do you respond? And that choice of, you know, I imagine you went through this a lot initially in boarding school. Like, you could choose to stay the victim to everything, um, or, yep. or choose differently and and to grow through that. Um, Yeah, incredible. we actually, we had to like choose a, um, a quote that was
1: like one of you had to make, um you yeah, can make this like plaque for yourself like a mantra yeah, or, yeah. and uh, I laugh all the time mine was demand change which I'm like oh, that's oh totally, wow like that. definitely <laughs> that's like, that my 15 year old self every now and again I think demand about that like, oh, change. My God. like there's yeah. so many parts of that that are like
0: oh. well I, I was I feel the but energy I, and like the voice behind yeah, that exactly. <laughs> like I can imagine yeah. yeah
1: um and
0: so what was your mantra or quote be today
1: oh gosh I don't know I probably would go with more of like the forgive and grow, mm. but the demand change would be in there too. Yeah. Like that's yeah, where it's, it's like a it's part a of you. It's like the yeah. yin and yang of those aspects. Yeah, um, and that's where I think too. Like when I, you know, um, when I was when I was thinking about coming and doing this, I was thinking about like, well, like what, like you know, if I were if I were to like describe myself, like what would I say? I'm like, well, first, like I'm really intense, mm. right? Like that's like, I, oh, you know, I'm sure I just overwhelm people all the time. I, lo- I love, Rachel, so, I love your intensity, So, There's definitely, completely time, relate. Like, there's like a, you know, like I'll interact with someone and I can just tell that they're like, what is, oh my God. Like, what? <laughs> and uh, like, I almost, and I, I feel like I have, sometimes I just have no, um, like that loving and like just being open and like, I have no barrier. Like mm. there's no like safeguard there, mm. which sometimes really, you know, like, is not helpful. Like I'm a very sensitive person. And yeah, so that part yeah. is just really hard. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, again, like chatting with Mackenzie, she's like, I would say like advocate, like in every extent mm, of the word and like totally. being an ambassador for, you know, injustice really. Um, and that's where a lot, like I actually spent some time going, I went to Tanzania and I did some HIV AIDS prevention work there. And, you know, when I think about like the HIV AIDS part of things, you know, to me, that's a disease that, um, is really like everything that's wrong with our society. Like the people who are disproportionately affected by it are, you know, people who, you know, injection drug use, like there's something going on in their lives that's leading to them needing to feel like they need to inject drugs to feel better about themselves or, um, you know, for individuals who identify as being gay, like that's, you know, we're, we're moving in the right direction, but you know, that's still something that, you know, people who identify as gay don't always feel comfortable walking down the street holding hands. And so they need to do things in a way that, you know, isn't necessarily upfront and you know, allows them the opportunity to be protected. Yeah, And so, and young kids and, you know, you just have like the, you know, all of these people and especially youth in general. And so I I find that, um, you know, poverty, like there's all of these things that, Mm -hmm. you know, contribute to, you know, when we look at HIV and AIDS, prevalence and just where epidemiology of it, but it is very, um, that empowerment aspect of it to me, like those, you have your self-esteem, you have your self-efficacy and you have your self-confidence and so many things just revolve around those three concepts Mm. and, you know, how can we have growth and resiliency if you don't have one of those trifectas? Definitely. Definitely. Um, Yeah. So
0: what led you, what, what piqued your interest first in the HIV... Um, and ease I
1: remember. Um, I remember being. I was probably. I must have been in like. We lived in New Jersey still. I have to do things by like where I lived. We lived in New Jersey. Had the bedroom upstairs. And I remember reading. I must have been in like second or third grade, and I'm like a ferocious reader. Mm. Um, I don't know. I remember like I remember seeing my mom reading and being like, "Why are you reading?" She's like, "Oh, I really enjoy it. It's nice." And I'm like, "I didn't really get it." And then all of a sudden, like. My whole world opened up with yeah her. i can 't wait for Lily to have that moment, yeah, um, and so I read cool. this newspaper article, you know, and this was like back in the you know the nineteen early 1980s when things were just really starting to get bad with the epidemic and there 's this newspaper article about this nurse you know in Harlem Hospital or one of the New York hospitals um, where she like people were dying, and no one wanted to touch these people, no one wanted to give them medical care no one because there was so much fear and lack of understanding and she was doing it she was like going in and doing it anyways and i remember reading that article and just thinking like god i hope and even now like it brings me to tears like i just Mm
0: -hmm. it's
1: not okay for any human to ever feel that way yeah um, when they really just don't have to because of a lack of information yeah
0: yeah, um
1: and so for whatever reason that just really resonated me so i was you know, peer, and I think that injustice, like in injustices really, um when we cause hurt because of a bias of opinion or um you know, anything that's just doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I really um like just be nice.
0: Right, right. Make that I, choice. Just be so nice, so, yeah. you know? Yeah and
1: um and choose love over mm-hmm. not. And so um I was a peer educator in college and um and then, yeah, started to work for AIDS response, and I've always wanted. I kind of, I've always wanted to go to Africa, and um, and not necessarily. I mean, the HIV/AIDS work is one thing, but um, and it was interesting while I was there because people would say, you know, we're not trying to change their culture, and like, but we are. Ch- but to you, change, are. we are. Yeah, like we're asking people who have never used condoms before to wear a condom,
0: and therefore it changes um, the and it culture. changes their culture, right. Or
1: you know, you're asking a Maasai man who it's normal there for them to have two or three wives and you're saying that you want them to be monogamous with just one person all the time, uh, you know, that is changing their culture. And so, you know, as a white hero person coming in, you know, you're, I I just personally felt really start like relying to ourselves if Mm -hmm. we're trying to make ourselves feel better that we're like, not trying to, we are trying to change their culture. And so, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a piece that like, you know, while I was there, people were like,
0: Whoa, whoa, you're really yeah. intense. And yeah. I, don't, I
1: don't feel good when I'm around you, you know, because it yeah. just wasn't. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that part was really important. No, and I was think- going to
0: say, like you open, you know, it's the part of your voice and your truth that, you know, you share, which is also teaching and sharing that perspective. <laughs>
1: It makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. Too though. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I like so, that
0: you don't avoid it because of that, Rachel. Yeah, it's authentic.
1: Sometimes I wish I could avoid yeah. it, but it just it comes at <laughs> sure moments. Yeah. Look.
0: Yeah. <laughs> keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut.
1: <laughs> um, but it mm. yeah, that, that doesn't feel good sometimes. Yeah. Keep your mouth shut. So so yeah so anyway so I I do um, yeah the HIV/AIDS stuff has in particular been but it really does um, and I think sexuality education in general like I really do wish that we had comprehensive sexuality education in the United States and really in the world. Like I think um, we would have much happier and healthier young people growing up in relationships Relationships in in general general. and how we interact
0: with each other as humans and um, and parents, you know, and, and as you and Brian really thoughtfully like made this choice. So yeah, there, there could be so much benefit Um, from that.
1: And that there's no one way. Yeah. And as Fred, Fred, one of the coaches, he has these great, like, sayings that he says, but he's always, there's more than one way to cook a dog. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, that's, you know, there, he's, and he's right, you know. Yeah. Like, we get really stuck that there's only one way of doing something. Mm. Um, and then what, how do we place value on which way we think is better?
0: And the um, ideal, like, what what a lot of us perhaps grew up with, with, like, what is the ideal life? And, yeah. like, it, you, you know, okay, like, go to school, go to college, get married, have you know, yeah. have kids. And, like, what that yeah. all means. And I, that's what
1: I feel a lot of times, too, like, I always find uh, like watching the team load the trailer, I Mm. always find is like a very interesting sociological experience. Oh, I bet. Experiment because, you know, there's um, this like breakout of duties and, you know, you know, are the guys supposed to be doing all the lifting while the women do all the tying? Mm. And it's kind of interesting to watch like the evolution of what happens. And then who Um, steps up as
0: a natural leader and right. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: um, you know, and then, you know, you know, and then sometimes too, like I'll have, you know, some of the people kind of sum to me like, well, you need to tell us how to do it. I'm like, I want the boat strapped to the trailer without causing injury to the boat. And I don't want the boat to come off. Those are the rules. Yes. You know, you figure, it figure it out. Figure it yeah. out. Play around with it. Yeah. Like, what do you think is the best way? Talk to your teammates, you know, and, and that's where, you know, and, and obviously there's time, you know, we go over like, you know, strap tying lessons and there's right. more than one way and whatever else, but, um, you know, the bottom line is, is I just want the stuff to fall off when I'm driving down the highway, at 65 miles per hour on the way to Georgia. Seriously. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, you know, but that's, it can be really frustrating, you yeah. know? And some coaches are like, what do you mean? Like you, there's a specific way to do it. Right.
0: Like, I don't agree. How does that, my, my <laughs> belief is right. You're serving them so greatly by empowering them and saying, here are the basic rules. Now you figure it out as opposed to again, saying in more of that. You know, general like ego role of like do it this way, and yeah. there's no other way. You know, yeah. yeah. And they're over the age of eighteen, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They get to they could join the military, own a gun, right. yeah, smoke cigarettes, have yeah. sex. There's all sorts yeah. of things that we Make your get right to vote. Yeah, you know, yeah. hopefully they
1: can load a trailer. Yeah, so uh, which they can and they do it. Yeah, um, but it is it is a very interesting um an engineering now seeing like more women in engineering, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool thing to watch that whole dynamic. And, um, I think UNH actually does a pretty good job around, um, like the teamwork between people in classes and, you know, you don't really see, I, there's a lot less of, um, I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's like a lot less, um, at least I see this mainly on the team, I guess, but like the tons more respect for each other, less
0: separation and less. I, I love, I love this, you know, dialogue we've had like with the, the masculinity and femininity and in, uh, that's been woven throughout it because, um, you mentioned it earlier. Um, but just that it's not necessarily men, women, it's, we all possess like whether you're a man or a woman, like that yeah. masculine and feminine energy within us. Um, but then how it shows up and, um, in our different roles, whether student athlete coach, yeah. you know, individual, and then, um, between the men's and women's teams, it's, I think it's such a great opportunity that you've, you've um actually (laughs) just landed in by becoming both the head head coach of both but um that huge pay raise yeah good good, there you go yeah Yeah. but how great that you're really seeing it as an opportunity um, to benefit them as well and serve them in their highest good
1: yeah and I definitely as you said earlier too like these last three years I've learned a ton in these last three years like I really um you know I wouldn't say you know, I always kind of joke that like UNH rowing is like a character building program. I'm like, Oh, it is for coaches too. Mm. Um, but it is definitely been, I've learned a ton over these last few years and, uh, it's been, it's been cool. Like it's been, I don't know if I'd want to do it again. Um, you know, building a team, um, it's really hard work. It's like coaching is a really emotional, um, it's a really emotional thing. Yeah, And you know, it's not, it's not as cut and dry. It's just like you know, giving out a workout and calling it done. I mean, I always laugh that that's like one of the questions that, um, you know, I think like, you know, Mackenzie Bryan and like Fred, Joe, like Fowler, like all these guys have just, you know, when people, I think we were down in New Jersey at one point and I don't know where we were, but for some reason, like there's a cop talking to us and he's like, well, you guys enjoy your vacation this weekend. We're like, (laughs) you kidding me?
0: Vacation, is, you're like, like, no. Like
1: you're, I mean, we're using, I mean, for Brian, we start, like for, you know, Brian or whoever, he probably was using vacation time to do like, this. Ironically, right? Yeah. Not vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or people will say like, so after practice is done, like, so then what do you do? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Is that a full-time job? That's my other right. favorite one. Is right. that a full-time job? Yeah. I'm like, does anyone ask Dicky Millie if his job is yeah. a full-time job? You <laughs> right? know, like, I yeah. don't really. Um, well, and
0: for you, you give 110%. I know and I like think co- you, I think most I think I think most do. Yeah. I feel like to to step into that role as a coach you are automatically of the certain character and yeah. high achieving you know like I mean especially if you're just it comes in with a rowing world very yeah. much so but yeah I mean that's yeah it must be interesting Rachel yeah I
1: always think like you know um Chipper Kelly there who used to you and I were friends when he was coaching at UNH and he always kind of says like no one goes into coaching for the money
0: mm, you know no like no one does yeah. that
1: and uh And, you know, I crack those jokes, but the reality is, is that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I'm sure my financially minded husband partner (laughs) would have a different opinion, but you know, for me and where I'm at right now, it's clearly your heart, your passion, your purpose.
0: So I want to know who, who are you outside of rowing? What do you do to nourish yourself when you do have perhaps an hour (laughs) not thinking about rowing or as a mom? Um, Well, first, I think one of the big
1: things that I've come to realize to make um, that first year of that transition um, with Pete being gone, uh, what I did that first semester, totally unsustainable and um, really wasn't getting any sleep, going to bed. And I, you know, when I, when I first became a grad assistant um, with rowing, I was working full-time at AIDS response. I was in grad school full-time and then I was the grad assistant. And so... Um, and did and I worked at the gaslight. I was a waitress at the oh gaslight. Gosh, so for two years, so I literally, I mean, and I and I missed the bus once, and they had oh. to come pick me up at the Portsmouth traffic circle. I remember calling Sue and be like, "Oh my God, oh Sue!" No. They like picked me up at the liquor store. I just and I was like groggy, sweating, you know, and, and she like had just told the team like, it, like "Oh, you know something about you know, oh like you know we're just having car troubles, so we're gonna pick her up the Portsmouth right, traffic right. circle." I was like, <laughs> I was like beside myself. <laughs> um, but those years like Talk definitely about high remember, stress like not oh getting gosh. a lot of sleep yeah. but um but totally worth it you know totally worth it you know actually getting my masters degree was like a really cool experience mm. um i'd like to go back to school at some point but um but so i i feel like these last like few years like i've kind of come to the the like the realization of like with rowing it's essentially like you have this 3 months essentially through the fall where um it's a lot you know it's like pretty crazy um And then we have, like, the winter training months where, you know, the students aren't there for a portion of time. um, And I really, you know, they're not there for a portion of time, so it's, like, a little bit less. But, like, I still have work to do, right? And then spring racing season, and um, basically I'm just like, Brian, yeah. I'll see you in June. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of travel. You know, yeah. going down to spring break, going to Acuras, which is also down in Georgia, and um, and just the weekends of racing, right? There's just not a lot of time. And, um, and then coming into summertime, I'm actually not 100% time at UNH. I'm like 87% time. And so um, I basically, for the month of July, like do my best. I do not go. I, Do I work really hard to not go into the office and like not pay attention to emails that often? And obviously, when work comes up, I do it. You know, athletes contact me or whatever it is. Like, stuff has to get done. Totally, will do it. Um, But I don't need to be sitting in there from you know nine until five or something like that. And so, um,
0: and how important So recognizing that that part of like it's kind of that three
1: months on, three Mm -hmm. months off, three months on, Mm -hmm. three months off. And sometimes that recovery time is a little bit more busy or Mm -hmm. active, and then sometimes it's not. And so, um, first, that mental perspective on it. is like really helpful because three months I can do that you can do anything for three yeah. months you know yeah and um and a friend recently had said to me something my friend Emma had who was a rower and co- did some coaching too she had said she's like you know Rachel the funny thing about you is that like it's like you only like you're such a long-term planner but when I like I'm like yeah yeah after these like next two weeks like my schedule will really lighten up and like and you know and things will be good and she's like do you know that you say that all, all the time? time I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh really? Oh. Whatever. <laughs> uh j- just keep trucking. And so um and so I think so for me like one of the big changes that I've made is reading. Like I make sure that um I love reading. Mm. And when I was in um like I can easily finish 5 books a month. Like probably a summer like in you know, I when I was nursing Lily, I got a nook which was like the coolest thing, the one where oh, you can turn yeah. the light on. And so I literally read i just got the outlander series and like all like you know seven to eight thousand pages and i just read that every night like this is the greatest thing i get to sit here and read this even though it's 3 a.m i don't care and so right reading really um i make a point to do that what's Um, your
0: favorite book or one what's the first one that comes to mind oh
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that. There's so many different What are you kinds. reading right now? I'm reading uh Being Peace oh, by yeah. Mary Pfeiffer. Is it yes, Pfeiffer? Yeah. Pi uh, must be I Yeah. Um and something like uh, and uh Notes appeal, yeah. from like the like the Yeah, like notes from the worst Buddhist in the world, I think mm-hmm. is the subtitle on that. Um <clears throat> but really cool book. I want to check I, that out. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good. I'm like on the last part of it. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I love like the mystery books. Like mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for like crime books for whatever reason. Like I love Rizzoli and Isles or CSI or Criminal Minds. Oh, I yeah. would love to be one of those FBI profiler people. <laughs> if I was a citizen, maybe I could do it. But...
0: Um, I know, that's the other thing about you. Yeah, there's <laughs> all these like little Yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Listeners,
0: she's not a citizen. <laughs> I'm not a
1: citizen. I do have a green card. No one build a wall. Um, and so, so I don't know. I don't know if I could pick... A favorite one I definitely have some like favorite I'm I I like to read the book before I see the movie
0: yes it probably drives
1: Brian crazy he's yes. a big movie buff okay. I'm like oh, I'm sorry I can't see that I haven't I haven't read that book yet one movie that I did see before reading the book um was Cloud Atlas um, which was produced by Lana Wachowski and her brother at the time, who I believe was Michael Wachowski, the people who produced um, the Matrix trilogy. Oh, wow. And Lana Wachowski is a male to female transgendered person. And okay. she gave a phenomenal speech at the Human Rights Campaign Award. She won that award a few years ago, which if anyone's ever had confusion or she her speeches. Unbelievably eloquent, talking about the struggle for someone who identifies as being transgender. Yeah, it's like an amazing. That's awesome. And I think her brother actually just recently transitioned as well. But oh, wow! Um, but that story, um, Cloud Atlas. I just got that. I'm gonna. I'm getting that soon, and I'm really excited to I'll read have to it. to check that out. Yeah, um, and kinda, was the movie good? The movie is really good. Yeah. It's intense. Like it's a it ta- it's like kind of it's basically about how love transcends time and space. Oh
0: wow. That's and amazing. It kind of
1: weaves all these different characters and mm-hmm. um yeah, it's pretty intense. That's so that's cool. a book I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah. But I really run like the I like I just got the I'm getting oh, like, The Power of Now is a book yes, that I'm gonna I read. Love that book. I haven't read that yeah. yet. Yeah. Oh Rachel, I um, love that one. And then I have like these certain books that I that like I have. I don't read them cover to cover, but I refer back to all the mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Paulo Coelho is a favorite yes. author. Yeah, totally dig him. Um, who else is like another author that I've? Um, I do really Kathy Reichs mm-hmm. and the, from the Bone series. Her books are. She's really cool. She le- legitimately is a forens- like forensic anthropologist, and then also writes these books. And um, awesome. her work is like really cool. So I don't know. I'm like yeah. all over the place. That's great. I just that's love, so cool. Like, and I I feel like that's. <clears throat> like my Facebook feed has finally kind of like gotten to the point where like, I can get all this information. Yes. I can read it really yeah. fast. And people are like, Oh, do you watch that video? I'm like, Oh, it doesn't go fast enough for me, but does it have a transcript? Yeah. Cause I can just like <laughs> read. Yeah. Just suck it up. Really yeah. Fast. Totally. Um, so reading and then,
0: um, Oh, rumor has it that you're training for a half marathon. Annie, how do you know
1: that? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to, um, yeah, I, and I'm actually going to like, train for
0: it like do you have a training I plan? do I
1: worked this guy yes Yasmin and oh you have um, a coach
0: I love it I, I do yeah so
1: great I that was one of the things that Brian and I um you know and I I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this but um with having a kid I just said you know Brian like I want us like I need I'm gonna I want a personal trainer like after I have this kid I don't because, think that's embarrassing I think um,
0: anyone can bet I mean honestly yeah. I think and that's he's great. just awesome found yeah. a really
1: great person he's actually a um He's a Bosnian refugee, and um, you know from the crisis that happened back in the 90s, and pretty much his neighbor, who was a Serbian, said, like, dude, they're coming, like hide, and him and his brother hid and um him and his mom and dad and grandparents made it to a refugee camp and then a church in north conway sponsored for them to come here wow and so we were actually at unh at the time i didn't know that but he was putting himself through school and learning how to speak english while also getting his degree in exercise science that is incredible and um he just has he's just, opportunity. yeah he's just awesome and so he and he's great at like yeah. training people oh like, my he's gosh really really good and so i've been working with him um over the last however many years but he's also a big runner and so he's doing the running stuff too which is really Fine. exciting so yeah. which what
0: are you doing? I uh, half at the Hamptons. Oh, I did that. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. in February, yeah, which is I love cool. It. It's yeah, like a different. Yeah. yeah, and so oh, I've good. done it
1: before. I think I've done it twice before. But
0: yeah, you know, it's a it's good flat just, course, and yeah. and can feel yeah, and so it's pretty, it's, which is nice. Yeah, beautiful.
1: Um, and I do find that, like, you know, so many people, I feel like, when it talks about like having a baby, and you know, I. I generally have heard like people are like, Oh, like two years after you have your kid, you're like back in your feet. And I think it has more to do with like the breastfeeding part of things. Like yeah. when you end yeah. um, breastfeeding and then and I feel like it's almost, you know, for me personally, it's like a year out. And mm-hmm. so that's where like, I'm right. I'm hitting this now, yeah. but as before, like with training or with running, I just felt like, Oh my God, I'm you're like, breathing dragging. through a yeah. cheesecloth. It's like, you're, yeah. you're, you know, you're not really making any progress and those maternal fat stores, man. They just like, don't like, yeah. they just don't want to go away.
0: Right. Well, for a reason, especially if you're still breastfeeding, I mean, your body needs that. Yeah. So,
1: um, and really, and that was something that I did, you know, I was really trying to be mindful of was like, it's just, you know, this is, this is the most important thing. Mm. This is like, it doesn't matter what it's doing to my body or how I look or anything. This is, this is like, this is Life the most important for thing Lily. Yeah, for yeah. my human, and That's so, great. Uh, and so that was. Um, but now I'm like really excited as far as like doing, you know, doing running and being like, oh my god, this is like feeling better. Yes. This is so yes. nice. It's been a long time. Yeah. So kind of that idea
0: of like getting my body back is a nice, it's mm. a nice experience. Yeah. And um, have kind of a plan and a structure and training must feel good too. Yeah. And have that that support, yeah. outside support, so that it's not just that internal. No dialogue in the head exactly. that can go which
1: and people say that they're like you're a coach can you put these workouts together i'm like yeah, yeah. i could but it's just it's not yeah it's just so i do with that enough like right. it's just nice to have somebody else say like Go do this. Like I, yes. I, liked being coached. Yes, totally. You know? I liked right. being an athlete who was it's coached nice to have by that someone. accountability yeah. person. Yeah.
0: Um. You know, and then hiking is oh, something yeah. else. That I know you and I've chatted about and connected around. So yeah. So I love hiking. Yeah. And tomorrow, oh you're yeah,
1: leaving for the presidential traverse. That's I'm really awesome. exciting. That's yeah. so exciting.
0: And have you done it before? Nope. Okay. Nope. Nope.
1: First time. Yep.
0: Wow, Rachel, you're taking the time to do this with me the day before. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm super excited. That's great um, about the hiking. Yeah.
1: And I don't really. I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, also, too, like, I love just like hanging out with like Lily. Yeah. And my dog. I love my dog. Mm. My dog, I just. Um, what kind of dog? He's a, uh, he's a great Pyrenees Golden Retriever. And um, he actually was a gift from the team um, back in 2008 uh, to both Brian and I. And um, oh my gosh, we what had a great gift. I just put, uh, put my, uh, my family puppy dog, who was a, uh, a Newfoundland, a mm. Lancier Newfie, um, we put her to sleep. Um, when she or euthanized her when she was 12, wow. which is like really amazing long life for England. Yeah. Um, and I was just heartbroken, yeah. totally heartbroken. I loved that dog to pieces and, um, well, really all of them. And, um, and so this was, this was like their gift. And it was pretty funny. Cause when we got, I mean, it was like 29, you know, it was like classic college kids. They're like, coaches, we <laughs> got you a gift. It's like at the end of a home race. And the last like, thing you're expecting. Here you go. They like hand us a leash and like a, like a bowl with some food in it. And like a, like a little bag of food. And they're like,
0: here you go. You're like, like, like what? <laughs> you no, know what? You know, like we have this
1: three month old puppy who they oh uh, like gosh, adopted. That's yeah.
0: amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. and that's so. Really cool.
1: You know, on that, that first day we had some friends, you know, we're like, and Brian's never had a dog before. I mean, and I did, but like my mom did most of that, you know, You're like like, right. like, help, right. so like he like poops on the floor the first time. I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea like what we need. So I'm like, okay, everyone out. We need to like do something here. We got to right, figure this right. out. Um, and he is, uh, great Pyrenees are, um, they're kind of a handful. They're very independent, really stubborn guard dogs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're basically meant to like, you can like put them in with like sheep, Or, you know, like little, you know, lambs and little cattle, and they'll grow up with them and then they protect them. And um, not hugely athletic dogs, but um, so he's, we have some similarities in personality, a little stubborn and determined (laughs) in our perspective.
0: Isn't it like, uh, like owner? Yeah, Dog like owner. Yeah, totally. Um,
1: And so, you know, I, you know, with not necessarily with, with training him, but I definitely like we would go for hour long walks you know Mm. every single day yeah and um because he needed that like he had to have that in order to like keep his sanity and we did a ton ton of winter hiking with him um and just um being the hills with him and watching him bound around and um he's you know he's pretty tall he's a tall puppy he's probably he's a little over 100 pounds and when i'm standing up he's probably his head's like right at my hip so Mm. he looks like a big white yeah he's like this really cool looking dog but um about the same time that this whole transition thing happened with Pete, um, we thought that he had an ACL injury, and it turned out that um, it was bone cancer. Oh gosh! And so, and that was where, like, they you know they told me they're like, oh, you know, it's um, you know, oh, it's an ACL. Like, don't worry about it. And it's like, okay, good, as long as it's not bone cancer. And then went to go get a second opinion. Um, one of my really great friends that I rode with, Marion Haber, as a vet down at um, a, a place down in Mass Vet. Mass Referral Hospital, and, and she's like, just go see this person. He's, he's like, awesome. This guy, Stuart Bliss at Port City, and um, went to go meet with him. He's awesome. He explains the whole thing to me about the ACL surgery and, like, why do dogs need this now? And they didn't need it 10 years. You know, awesome, awesome guy. And um, and then he pulls up the x-rays, and he's like, oh, my God. Like oh. I, and I remember looking at it and thinking, like, something doesn't look right on there. and um, And just... Oh, Rachel. Um, and so just like got on the floor of them. And, you know, statistically, 75% of dogs die within the first three months of diagnosis. And so we thought like, you know, what are we going to do? And chatting with Dr. Stuart Bliss, he just said, he's like, you know, there's still hope. Like you guys can either go into, he's six years old at the time. Or like you can either go into, you know, palliative care and just make sure he's comfortable and whatever else. Or you can actively do something. And so... Brian and I thought about that a lot. And, uh, you know, Mackenzie was a big part of that too. Um, She was part of the team who had given him to us. And um, we just, you know, I thought like, God, like making the decision to amputate my dog's leg. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is like, this is like one of the first from like a parenting perspective that like needing to make a decision about another being. You know, without being able to have like a conversation with yeah. them about it,
0: and so and um, that's so emotional and trying probably to like wash through the emotions of it and then think, okay, what's in strategically in his best it. interest? And yeah, 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 and so
1: and the big thing that Doctor Bliss said is that he's like, I'll, you know, I won't do the surgery unless you follow it up with chemo. And so I learned a lot about cancer and, yeah. and especially how like we actually we're far kinder to animals with cancer or dogs with cancer than we are to humans. Mm. And so. Dr. K, who's the, you know, Tenney's oncologist, basically is saying, you know, in, you know, people are like, you spend that much money on your DOG? I'm like, whatever. I would totally eat peanut butter. He's a part of our family. Yeah. And so, you know, it was a non, you know, actually doing the, um, the leg amputation was less money than doing um, the ACL surgery. Oh, wow. The, the, the chemotherapy costs more money. Yeah. But, um but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't change and the fact that he's still and with he's us still today here. is yeah. like amazing. And I remember Dr. Bliss saying that. He's like, you know, to a dog, you know, if you think every one year of our lives is seven of theirs, yeah. you know, that makes a big difference. And totally. he was not ready. He was not a, he was not this was not a dog who was looking to die. Yeah. Like he was not ready to roll yeah. over and be done with it. And so he just um he's just awesome, awesome dog. So we yeah. can't do we can't hike mountains. So I feel badly sometimes when yeah. I go when I go, you know, running or hiking and stuff with him and he kind of forgets sometimes. So yeah. like, he'll go to like stand on that leg and like lift his and leg up on the other side, but then he like kind of falls over. Yeah. It's like kind of, you know, oh. it's one of those things where it's kind of funny, but yeah. he is, um, he's just, he's a really great dog and watching him with Lily is just um, the two of them playing oh on the gosh, floor and yeah. it's just- So sweet. Really cool. Another so. story
0: of such resiliency. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So Yeah. And I love that like that first year, you know, he's like this little puppy. And then the next year, he's huge. You know, like this first I have these pictures of where like the first year, you know, I'm sitting, you know, just with my legs open on the floor and Tenny's like all curled up. Literally mm-hmm. fits with me, you know, right the length of my femurs. And then the next day, or the next year, he's huge. Yeah, you know, he totally yeah. doesn't fit there at and all. Like, and the oh my gosh we're you know rowers like coach we're so sorry It's so big (laughs) It's huge it's okay I'm a big dog person Mackenzie knew what she was doing yeah all the other people and yeah yeah but he's um he's like the perfect perfect dog for us oh what a gift that's awesome so yeah I do I try to try to be mindful of sleep is a big thing yeah And, and I can function without it I can do it I can do without it um but I do think it's important to get it yeah and um drinking water is another big one yeah and um i actually was a vegetarian my mom started to take meat out of our diets when i was in sixth grade oh wow and then um when i got pregnant with lily like i just i didn't know at first i was just so tired
0: Mm. and then
1: started eating a lot of you know learned that i was pregnant and was eating a lot of scrambled eggs on toast and definitely had morning
0: sickness and stuff um
1: i don't know yeah i just was like so so tired yeah and um and then just came home from visiting you know my parents had every, all of us as kids down at their place over the holidays and uh we were driving back i'm like Brian i just need steak tips like i don't like <laughs> he was probably like what? But, yeah, i'm like just get like let's just eat like let's just get steak tips and so he yeah. went and he got some steak tips i just these are the best thing i've ever tasted and i just chowed like four of them that's it and basically he was like salads and steak tips. That Sounds was like it for tips. the next yeah. of many months. Everyone's like, "What do you like?" we go out. I'm like, "Do you have just steak tips?" And they're like, well, <laughs> "Well, do you want like a steak?" I'm like, "I don't like. Do you want the potato?" I'm like, "I don't know, dude. I just want the steak tips. Just like, you just steak. bring me give the me steak the yeah. meat." Yeah. And so, did you
0: feel a difference in your energy in your body? A oh, huge difference. Yeah. Huge yeah. huge difference. How great that you were able to yeah. no, like notice that and honor that. Yeah, does, and I wonder if Lily's gonna grow up loving steak tips. I don't and know. Salad. I mean, she definitely does. <laughs> I mean,
1: she, um, you know, when she when she started to eat, like steak tips were like her bread and butter. You mm-hmm. know, like it was a mm-hmm. pretty big thing. Mm-hmm. And I do, and it's interesting because I definitely was a vegetarian for like some, you know, environmental reasons, and um, you know, I always kind of thought like if I couldn't kill that animal myself, like what right do I have to eat them? Mm-hmm. Um, and. And I think we, you know, specifically use Brookford Farm as a com- uh, community-supported agriculture, yeah. and um, love them, and yeah. love how they care for their animals, and you know, just the cycle of, you know, the sustainability practices that they're engaging there is just yes. pretty amazing. Awesome. And, uh, and so, you know, we, um, and then we also, we get a lot of our, um, meats and stuff from tender crop as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, like it's not factory farming and we don't really, if it's not coming from one of those two places, like yeah. we don't actually eat it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, they need to, animals need to be honored while they're here. And if they're serving us later, you know, through food or whatever else, then, we owe them some I agree. respect for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of
0: like the conscious omnivore kind yeah. Of thought. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because um, you read all that stuff, you know, Fast Food Nation or oh Omnivore's Dilemma or all yeah. that stuff just makes me sick to my stomach. No,
0: definitely, definitely. And I think it's a Im- really important aspect of our health um, to... To, for people to be educated about that and to be able to help spread that awareness.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And then also going back to your physiological body and, and honoring what your body's calling for and needs, and it's all bio-individual. Yeah, um, So yeah. yeah. And I do
1: think I do try, I think I do do a pretty good job of like listening to what my body's telling me that it needs at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, race day, probably not so much, yeah. but um, I think I have no needs on race day. <laughs> um, but, uh, but and I switched to decaf coffee actually when I got pregnant and I haven't gone back. That was oh, a really wow, big, Rachel, which that's people huge. Are like, were you kidding me? How do you do this without it? But at four in the morning, yeah, right? But yeah. I just, I don't, um, probably a little more chocolate. There's a lot of chocolate milk in there mm. when I was breastfeeding, but um, <laughs> I think I'm addicted. But it's starting to wean myself that and um, that six grain pumpkin seed bread by... When Pigs Fly. Oh, I was oh about to say, was it the Pigs Fly? It's right? yeah. so good. It's so good. Um, but that's starting to decrease a little bit now yeah. too, so that's good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think um, just, you know, doing what I need to do to, um, you know, just listen to my body. And, like, when it tells me to eat vegetables, I eat vegetables. Yeah. When it says I need to eat bread, then I eat bread. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? That's great. And when great. it says eat a piece of chicken, I eat a piece of chicken. Yeah. So yeah. And, and, people and yeah, people make fun of me. Like, Franzi down in uh, downtown Durham knows that. I just get chicken sometimes in the morning. Yeah. He's like, you know, do you want an egg and ch-? No. Just they, I just chicken. want chicken. just want like, a side of chicken. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I don't need anything else. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. Um, which, how can you eat that for, for breakfast? I know. Like, i know. whatever. What is breakfast? What is that? Who defined that that's I what i have to be? I love
0: that. I love when people can start to, you know, yeah. to break through that because that's what I'll often say. is like, I'm, I'll often eat my leftover. You know, coconut curry from the night before for breakfast. Yeah. Because that's what it's there and that's what my body wants. So, yeah, why not? I'm going to eat it. Let's, yeah. Yeah. I don't don't know if you ever did. When uh, when we were younger, my brothers and I had, we would just make up opposite day. Oh, yeah. So we would, we would would wake up and um, keep our pajamas on all day. And we would eat dinner for breakfast oh, yeah. and then have lunch and then breakfast for dinner. Perfect. And then we would like, put our, it was so silly, but it was fun. But anyway. No, it is. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Think we have breakfast that. for dinner, waffles for dinner. Change that's it out. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's good. Yeah, I'm not very good with being like
1: confined. Yeah. <clears throat> like yeah. those rules that people make for other people and think they're... I've yeah. always struggled with authority. It's never yeah. been like when someone says, well, you have to do it this way because I said so. Then I, you probably want not do the
0: opposite. It's like not <laughs> yes. going to work out. Yeah. You know? It's just right. not
1: like, why? Why do I need to do it that yeah. way? What, like, can you give me like five peer-reviewed <laughs> studies <Yes. laughs> that define why I have to do it that way? Because if you can't, I'm not really listening to you, I'll uh, consider your point of view right. and I'll hear you and I'll be fair. Yeah. But um, I don't I don't think it's that black and white.
0: No, it's definitely not. I agree. So I could chat with you all day long, Rachel. You are absolutely awesome. I'm I'm curious. I want to have, I have one more question about, rowing and motivation. Um, and especially as you are you're personally training right now for a half marathon and you're doing this incredible amazing hike tomorrow when you find yourself motivating your rowers. Um, is there like, is there a similar tone, energy voice for the way you motivate yourself? I'm just curious to talk about motivation for a second. And then, and how do you motivate your rowers? Are you a yeller? Like, how do you (laughs) express your energy and passion? Um,
1: I guess I, I do think that I probably um, probably for myself, I probably do use like the same concepts, Um, you know, of like just like, okay, like you got to just do it, like put on your shoes. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, this guy, Chris that I know, he, uh, he had said something about how like he was talking, we were talking about the running stuff and he was saying, he's like, you know, Meb and those other like Olympic guys, you know they have the same struggle with like just getting up in the morning and like going out for the run as like we like mere mortals do, and uh, it's totally. like yeah, it's so yeah. true. It's just yeah. you know it's like but I think the big uh, I definitely am like excited right now and so from that motivation part like okay when it does start to get hard like what do you you know go back to breathing or um, trying to focus like. You know, I find that when I'm running, like my brain really wanders a lot, mm. um, and I like that. Like, I kind of, I guess, I, maybe that's like a little bit of like Buddhism there, a Zen, Buddhism, like, like, like a zone yeah, just that like, you get into that comes in, yeah. and it just leaves, and it's kind of nice to like just have that space, to let my thoughts go wherever they want to go, yeah. Because uh, I find a lot with either coaching or, you know, with being a mom, I don't really get to determine that, right, um, right. <clears throat> someone else's, you know generally, uh, you know, there's something going on that I need to attend to. And so being able to just allow my brain to do that and think about whatever I want is can be free, really, nice. really liberating. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Or even like, listen, I listened to your podcast. While oh, I was running. I, was, awesome. that was really nice. I love it. Thank so that you. was cool. Um, but I think with, ro- with coaching rowing, uh, I think it really depends on, um, depends on the situation. Um, you know, I definitely have had my days where one of my rules that i absolutely follow is that um the ro- my emotional state never um the reason why I'm saying something, or you know, if I'm yelling at them, it's not actually because I'm upset with them. And if yes. they're listening to this, you have to remember that when I'm yelling at you, it means you really got to do something. But do um, you guys hear that? <clears throat> <you> hear <laughs> that? Okay. okay. Uh, when I say put the bone on the trailer, I mean put the bone on the trailer. <laughs> um, but I'm not really, I'm not actually You're not angry, angry,
0: right? Um, and which I feel like at that age, it can be like we're so sensitive; yeah. they can be in a. Reaction. And
1: sometimes that is like, and I, you know, it is because I'm looking for a specific response at that time, but I'm not actually yelling at them to have me have an emotional release yes Uh, I actually think that's extremely inappropriate yeah from a coach's standpoint um you know if if someone is doing that um that negative um what I determine as being uh, or see as being negative behavior to a group of people Mm -hmm. that's self-serving I I don't think that's fair and I don't think it's acceptable and so that is one of my one of my excuse me one of my big kind of rules that I follow is that um you know, my mood at practice, um, is, does not determine how their practice is going to go. Um, and that if I am in a mood when I get to practice, you know, and sometimes I need to say like, sorry guys, I'm having a rough morning. Like I just need a little space. Why don't you guys warm up and we'll fit, you know, I'll, yes. I'll move through this and then, you know, cause again, I'm human too. And, and I don't great. always wake up Role smiling, modeling. happy. Yeah. Um, and so like, let's figure this out. Yeah. And then generally, you know, once we kind of get out there, I'm like, okay, this yes. is good. This is yeah. good. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but so I think it really depends, and so sometimes you know if you know if we have a really hard practice and we've designed it, we've designed it that way on purpose. Um you know, so sometimes there's like, you know, yelling encouragement and trying to get them to go. It's a lot of um working with the coxswains yeah. on getting them in there because I really feel pretty strongly that like they're they're not doing it for me. Like I'd never want to hear a rower or a coxswain say, like, well, do it for Rachel. Like yeah. do not do it for no. me. I don't right. ever want to hear it. Do it right. for yourself. Yeah. Um, you're not here to do this for me. Yeah. Uh, that's not enough motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, And then, too, like, for, you know, that peer development. And so, you know, if there's something going on and the team kind of crashes and burns, you know, sometimes, like, I'll have you Know the coaches get up, I mean, or have the, the captains stand up and say something, or the senior leaders on the team, or we'll just kind of do like a popcorn thing where they each just share what's going on, yeah, um, and just have a dialogue about what's happening. And then sometimes it's like, okay, everyone sit down, we're having story time,
0: yes. And so, yeah. like, one
1: morning I read to them, like, I, you know, I knew it was going to be, you know, a pretty intense practice, and I started it off with reading, um, this really great children's story called, um, the exclamation point. Um, and so, oh, so awesome. I just had them all down, I and it. It. I was like, I love this story, so we're gonna start with this, and I'm sure they all were like, what, the fuck? "What is going on with her? WTF!" And I was like, "Oh, this is what we're doing." Yeah, and so it kind of just got them out of their heads for a second. Yeah, um, and then too, like using the other coaches, like you know, I you know that's something again with Mackenzie in particular. Um, you know, we didn't do as much side. We kind of changed our model a little bit, and so she and I haven't done as much side by side coaching. But a lot of times, like using you know her experiences, like well, you know, what do you remember as an athlete, or you know, now that Felicia is kind of one of the younger coaches on the team who. You know, was also a a team member. Um, You know, what does she remember um, Hmm. from her stories, and how can she guide and process that? So it really, it really depends on it. I mean, and sometimes it is just saying, like, guys, I wasn't good enough.
0: Right, right. You know, like
1: we had a mark that we were trying to get to, and
0: and what can you do differently? um, Yeah,
1: what are we going to do differently? and So sometimes we were like write reflections and. You know, this is what was hard about it. Or this is what I persevered through, or this is what I liked that I did. And I, you know, I, whatever, you know, again, whatever works, whatever helps them get it. Yeah. I don't really
0: care. Yeah. Um, and know. I love, you know, going back to something you said in the beginning, you know, when, when we talk about, okay, what does success mean? You know, and, and you said, you know, it's not necessarily about winning success is about what you're, how you show up and what you're putting into it. And, Um, and the energy and the mindset and just, and again, it's like, I I love that you're just, you're helping to train these athletes, not only for the sport, but for life, like all the lessons that they're learning and the bonds and that familial um, energy is, it's absolutely awesome. Yeah. I hope, I hope that's what's happening. Yeah,
1: It is is very, um, you know, and a lot of times I do truly believe that like when they you know, when they do put all of those pieces together, every, I mean, there's no, I don't think personally, that sensation of being on the water, you know, with your seven teammates and your coxswain, going down the race course and um, just being totally, I mean, to do the same thing at the exact same time with that number of people, it is an unbelievably amazing sensation and uh and that's where you know, i always kind of say like you gotta look at it like t- out of 10 strokes how many of them are you getting correct <sighs> yeah and the idea you know when they're like well we're not you know we're not set we're not this we're not that it's like it's 10, a ten out of 10 strokes like mm. to actually have the expectation that all 10 of that all you know nine of you essentially are going to do every single stroke correctly for every single one of those you're going to fail every time when right. you look at it that way right um you have to it's One stroke at a time and you know, working towards like that just that ten out of ten. And if you stumble, was it six out of ten? Yeah. Was it three out of ten? Yeah. How many of them did you
0: But it's not all or nothing? Yeah. Yeah. And that and then be be forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I think that I always think about like in um Like I used to, I actually used to take like voice lessons and do a lot of singing and stuff. There's a lot of yelling. Oh my gosh, that's (coughs) right. See, we have a whole nother, okay, we'll have to do another podcast, Rachel. um, (laughs) That was a lot of uh, yelling in boarding school. So (laughs) I feel like I damaged my vocal cords. But, um, Mm. but that's one of the things I would think about with like choir, you know, when you have to hold a long note, you don't have, everyone doesn't go
0: (gasps) at the same same time. time. Exactly. You you kind of hide it. And so like the
1: reality is like the team, your teammates are going to stumble. Yeah. They're not going to do it 100 perfectly, so don't get mad at them about it. Yeah, roll a little harder for a right. stroke. When you get right. it right, just make sure yeah. you're on it. Yeah, um, because you know, and you yourself are going to stumble. That's yeah. okay. Oh, just totally. get back on it. Yeah, you right. know, get up.
0: Exactly, get up. We need you. Yeah. So, and then when you do have that moment, you know, when you're all in sync, and I can close my okay. eyes and feel that it's so tremendous. Like the sound of the wars yeah. and the and that rush of the the, the feeling and then the, the power running it's absolutely incredible
1: it just is really cool yeah. I always kind of liken it to like the um like the free fall machine have you ever been on that ride at like great adventure you know
0: what I <clears throat> love roller coasters and I've never done the free fall ride oh, I need to do it oh my gosh although my equilibrium has shifted it's I like, know oh, kids, I get I'm like, so sad. Bad.
1: <laughs> I, get, I the team one year the team gives us awesome coaching gifts one year was um skydiving oh my gosh and, your um, teams, they your are, teams awesome. are amazing yeah I had a coach say to me that they're like what 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 do you get for like coaching gifts or like I just got a megaphone? I'm like, oh you I love Dude, our man, team is like awesome Awesome. this year we got surf lessons yeah one year was an iPhone really? oh my god they're amazing they're oh like the goodness. most amazing I want to be a ever. coach at yeah like they're just me. they're like their gratitude is just incredible I mean not that
0: it's all Unwell, in the form of, like, presents, but, right. well and clearly um, they know you like you've yeah. had allowed them to you, like there's anyway and liking whole, that idea of like giving experiences
1: and certain yes, things yes Brian did have a rule one year that you know no, nothing else that has a recurring cost or poop that oh. was like, <laughs> the men's team when he was coaching the men's team had given um had given up. Two kittens.
0: Oh, so, yeah. Um, you're like, enough with the okay. And then, dog and then the dog kittens. came, oh yeah, my and gosh. then the iPhone
1: came. He's like, Um, we're now spending all this money. You know, the finance <laughs> guy's like, I did not plan this. I'm like, Deep breath. It's we okay. We didn't either. Deep breath. Know, exactly. Right. That's um, But free fall machine. The free fall machine of where the you know, you just, you're in there and you're like, Yeah, gets you all the way up there. You're hanging out up there, and then they have this buzzer, <laughs> and there's this moment of pure. <gasps> like crazy. I, mean, I don't even know if it's fear, right? Fear, right? I mean,
0: like it's a, that line of fear and excitement and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Log. and
1: I always just think about, you know, like that moment at the catch is just yes. like that where you're like poised and balanced and, but like relaxed, but ready to pounce and, you know, you just, mm. and then you got to go, you mm. know, and you got to go. And yeah. so I always, that, that free fall machine, I always think with fear, like that, um, like, is it fear or is it like, what is that adrenaline? Is I know, it really from fear? I know. Like, what is pain? Like, what I, like is pain? Question I know, I love things. those
0: things too. Yeah, and there's this acronym, fear. Um, and I know I'm now completely blank out. It's like, yeah, anyway, it's it's like the, the line between excitement and yeah. ready, you know? And when people say like, you know, with rock climbing,
1: like, I'm so afraid of it, I'd never do it. I'm like, but isn't everybody? Like, yeah. afraid of heights. Like, yeah. The fear of falling. Especially that unknown. But it's like, do you get excited? I mean, that's one of Mackenzie's big saying is that you have to turn the O- s-h-t yes (laughs) to uh an f beep beep ck yeah but um yeah so like so yeah so like turning that you know you got to turn it around it's all like your mental perspective on how you're looking at it yeah and uh and what you do with it
0: definitely so yeah it's such a it's a huge aspect of training for life yeah wow Rachel thank you so much this has been so much fun and there's so many there are clearly so many more stories, so many more things I want oh, to dive so into. Much. So I think I'm just going to have to have you come back. Okay, again sure, at some that's point. good. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: Hopefully, hopefully, people yeah are interested. Yeah, yeah definitely. Funny.
0: So I'm curious, Is this the first time that some of your rowers will have heard the the boarding school stories? Or do, probably so, actually. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, so yeah. this is really cool. I mean, again, just a a window into you as um, a human and your courage and resiliency and and just awesome energy so i'm Thanks. so grateful to know you rachel thank you so much for yeah. sharing and Thanks people where can people find you at unh just the, um yeah uh the,
1: we, we have unh what is it unh.edu backslash unh rowing perfect yeah. awesome and, and we're unh rowings on facebook too so
0: for right. twitter or instagram we've all sorts of check where, them out support them um and we take donations okay yeah, yeah. awesome well, thank you so much thank you so much rachel <laughs>